The Start. On Demand. On demand. Hey, it's Brett. Thursday edition of the Mackling and McGarry podcast for the 680 CJOB Morning Show. Today we're going to ask the question, how conscious of water safety are you? Manitoba Life Saving Society released its 2018 drowning report with some startling results. Also, police went door to door in the West End. We'll tell you why. Jacob Truba going to arbitration with the Winnipeg Jets. Kelly Moore weighs in. And the Great Scavenger Hunt will tell you where that's going down. Thank you very much for subscribing to the podcast. Enjoy. Christian O'Mell, Kelly Moore, and Shanley Vidal joining us in studio. Tristan Field-Jones is here making sure we're staying on track. We may call upon him as long as he can behave in his comments. The province of Manitoba, once again at the top of the list, for drowning deaths for children up to four years old. The Life Saving Society of Manitoba released their 2018 drowning report yesterday, finding 12% of all drowning deaths in this province were children in that age group. Experts say tragedy can strike in the time it takes to send a text message. So today we're having coffee talking about water safety. Kelly, why don't we start with you uh, when your kids were growing up? Uh, how? What kind of rules did they have uh, when it came to going in the water? Well, we uh, we tried to teach them as best we could to not be afraid of the water, but to respect the water. And I think we fall into a large group of parents who uh, had that mindset. Uh, we watched them pretty closely. Uh, didn't want to take our eyes off them too much, but uh, we were lucky. Knock on wood, we didn't have any uh, uh, serious incidents. Uh, you know, tried to teach them how to swim. I can't remember whether we ever put them in swimming lessons or not. I think we did. I know when we moved to Winnipeg here, we had them uh, uh, swimming at the Pan Am pool. So uh, we uh, we did our best to make sure that uh, they were water safety educated from that perspective. Were you a water baby, Shanalee? <laughs> I I was not actually I couldn't swim. I was terrified of the water. We'd go to the beach, Wasaga Beach in Ontario every every summer with our with our camper. Great ve- beach volleyball at Wasaga. <laughs> <laughs> and so my dad was, would be carrying me in the water, carrying I would be screaming and screaming. Me mom my brothers out there on inner tubes go, you know, going as far as it can go. And then when I moved to Winnipeg for grade three, they actually made me take swimming lessons because it's mandatory here. See, but the thing is, I had to wear the belt, the pink belt so that you, you don't drown. And so I never really learned how to swim. But then as an adult, I, I had a place with a pool. Uh, my boyfriend kind of taught me so I can kind of swim. But um, this this year when I was um, I was in the ocean in, at, in Hawaii, it, it's if you think about it and you start panicking, it makes it worse. And so I found the waves were really strong and they were knocking me over and I'm, this is not safe for me. So I, I discovered there's on the beach, on Waikiki Beach in Honolulu, there's a place that's like a safe area for, I guess, for, for maybe for kids. And they kind of have all these barriers up in, in the ocean to protect you from all of those waves. And like, I'm like, I'm staying in this area. This is perfect for me because I, I am very aware that I do not have the, 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 um, the capability to carry myself. Well, Greg, what are the restrictions? Well, not restrictions, but what do you do with your kids? Well, we tell them uh, we spend uh, a fair amount of time, not a ton of time, but we have friends with cottages up at Leicester Beach. We're yeah. fortunate enough to have two sets of friends with cottages uh, that they put up with us for a couple of days at a time in the summer. And there's a rule, and, and it's my buddy Mark's rule, and we've adopted it. The kids know that they are not allowed to have their head under the water for more than three seconds at a time. 
And if it's, it's if they're unseeable for more yeah. than three seconds, there's an adult coming in to remind them of the rule. And when you're on Lake Winnipeg, you have to have these sorts of yeah. of instructions for your kids because it's it happens as they say in the time of, that that it takes to send a text. It happens faster than that. You just have to be so respectful of the water. Well, not far from Lester Beach is Patri- uh, Patricia Beach, just south of Lester Beach, uh, and. Grand Marais, and that's where there was that couple just over the weekend. They went out on the water on an inflatable couch, and they got swept away. They went too far. It got pushed too far out into the lake. It was windy, and this young couple that went out, they they thought they were going to die. And then this uh, couple, a Baconia man and his wife, being hailed as heroes after they spotted them nearly drowning and came to their rescue. And that... That could have, that scares me because I think that could have been me and my paddle boating misadventure, which in the context of that story ended up just being a comedic story because we decided that it was a good idea to take a paddle boat out onto Dorothy Lake when it was super windy and the waves were very rough. It was a dumb decision and we realized it immediately. Thankfully, we were able to get back to shore uh, or to a dock very quickly because we hadn't gone out too far. But had we waited maybe even another 60 seconds to turn around, we might not have been able to make it back. And my, I can swim. My girlfriend can't swim all that well. So that could have ended very badly. Can I ask you, did you have life jackets on? We both did. And that's another thing. I'm glad you brought it up. Oh. Because when I, I put hers on and it seemed tight, but it was tight, I think, up top, but not at the bottom. So, so it was it was coming up over uh, her shoulders. So it could the life jacket almost came off. That's one of those things that they always tell you to make sure it's cinched up around the waist. That's, that's right. Yeah, real key there. Yeah, yeah, and having them and using them sometimes are two different things. Christian, you grew up around water? I, in a way, yes. We were about 30 minutes from Sauble Beach in Ontario growing up, so that was a common place we'd go to in the summer, uh, the family. I did take swimming lessons up until level seven. Then when I failed out after a couple of attempts and I said, mom, could I stop? I, I don't, I don't <laughs> want to learn how to dive. And she said, fine, but I can swim to the point where I don't drown. Right. And I think that's something that everyone should have the ability that if they can go to wa- in a water, they can tread it for a while. They can swim back to shore if they have to, but there's the fact that you have to be cognizant of, tides if you're going to the ocean it's not so much lakes here but if you're out in the ocean i was in australia last year and there's a lot of signs up that say you know watch the tides here locals will tell you you can't go very far out whereas you know more still lakes around here if it's a nice day you can probably go out for a good ways undertow is a big deal too as well tristan uh your water baby not really, no. I took a few years of uh, swimming lessons. I've done a, a decent amount of boating and canoeing on lakes, so uh, uh, I, I've learned uh, to be uh, water-wise when, it's, when, it com- when, it, when it comes to that. I know that I, I have a, a buddy of mine from high school. His uh, parents own a cabin uh, near Hillside Beach, which is just on the southern shore of Lake Winnipeg, and uh, they've got a couple canoes and kayaks, and one time we, uh, a few of us went out there, uh, and we we made the decision. It was a windy day, but the wind was coming 
from the north, so it was pushing us towards shore. So we knew that uh, it was it was borderline, but we knew that we weren't going to be pushed out into the middle of the lake. If that was the case, we would have been pushed the opposite direction. So we were okay in that case. But I know that every time I've gone boating or been out on the water, there's always been, you know, especially if I'm with a group of friends, we've all learned sort of what the protocols are. We always wear a life jacket. You're always aware of that sort of stuff. I know that... Um, there's this place on Caddy Lake in the White Shell where you can go. They have these old tunnels that are blasted underneath the Canadian Pacific and the Canadian National Rail Lines, and it basically connects Caddy Lake to Cross Lake. It's a great experience if you have the chance. And I know that it had been a while since I operated a motorboat. So what happens is I took a bunch of notes, and I remember the guy looking at me. I'm like, by the way, how worried are you the fact that I'm writing everything down here? To the letter and he told me he said no i'm not worried at all because at least you're doing that most people don't and those are the ones that they have to worry about the most the headline at cjob.com reads we can't arrest our way out winnipeg police look to locals to help control meth crisis well you know what based on what i know about it uh, no truer words have been spoken about this meth crisis there are so many levels to this story to what's going on in our community and last night on global news at six reporter Brittany greenslade joined anchor loren McNabb, who will soon be a part of this morning show starting next month to give details on the steps police are taking to inform the public I can tell you that our crime rates are going up. A significant part of that is what we're experiencing here with with meth and the violence associated to meth. Winnipeg's chief of police didn't hesitate when asked if the city's crime rate is rising. The answer is yes, and as you just heard, a meth crisis is one of the biggest reasons why. Global's Brittany Greenslade joins us in studio now with how they plan to get a handle on it. Well, Loren, police are looking to the community, saying the meth crisis is just too big and too widespread for officers to handle alone. And Winnipeggers in high crime neighborhoods are hoping it makes a difference. Being robbed, being hit, my purse getting taken, things like that. Just people that are so out of, out of it that they don't even know if they're coming or going. They're talking to themselves, they're banging on windows. It's crazy. They're frightening scenarios residents in the West End are confronted with daily, and police say it's all because of meth. It's why officers are hitting those areas directly. The first, the West End, where 1,000 pamphlets on crime prevention were handed out to residents in the hopes of creating more awareness. Police are hoping if they go where the root of the problem is, they can help stop crime before it starts. The treatment is key to this. The intervention is key to this. Uh, you know, it's, it's not about arresting people, but I gotta tell you, sadly, I don't think a week goes by where I don't have parents begging me to arrest their kids because the only way they can get them into some kind of treatment. Well, Brittany, you show police uh, in the West End. Why are they targeting that neighborhood right now? Well, Loren, crime analysis shows it's that area and specifically the blocks surrounding Sargent and Sherbrooke that have been identified for high rates of drugs, guns and gangs. And meth continues to be the common factor. It's a crisis police have repeatedly called an epidemic and now say they can't continue to arrest their way out of it. When we just arrest someone, unfortunately, depending on what the court system uh, judges that they, the outcome is, they go to jail, they often don't get the proper treatment, then they're back into the community and we see this cyclical uh, system that we're involved in. 
We need people to get help so they can help themselves. Police say the violent crime statistics are expected to be released on Monday, where we'll get a better, fuller understanding of the problems. Global's Brittany Greenslade joining anchor Loren McNabb on Global News at 6 last night. A reminder once again, Loren McNabb will be a part of this morning show next month starting August 22nd. Hey, Brett, arrests don't get these addicts off this substance. And putting them in jail doesn't get them any closer to that. So that's one part of this issue that I think we, we really have to dig down into and have this conversation amongst different levels of government, amongst the police, addiction foundation, etc. How do we get meth users off the street, not for six months, but permanently? How do we give them the help that they need to get them off the substance? Do you remember when auto theft was a like a crazy epidemic in this province. Yes. And people bought the club and then immobilizers became available. Then they became mandatory for some vehicles. And a lot of people were mad. It's like, oh, why are you forcing me to spend X amount of time to take my vehicle in to get this immobilizer installed in the vehicle? It's the criminals that are perpetrating these crimes. Uh, Why are you doing this to me? Well, because we were all potential victims. And there's things that we can do to protect ourselves. I mentioned to you the other morning that when I come in, I, I've got, you can see my house from space at night. I got about well, five uh, pot lights on the front of my house to, to light up my uh, front yard and my driveway. I'm amazed at how many people don't leave their lights on on the front of their homes. In River Heights, they're seeing this smash. They've got this smash club, smashed window club in River Heights. One of our colleagues was victimized by this uh, in the last couple of days every night in River Heights. And, and this is directly correlated to what's going on with regard to, to, to the meth crisis. And there's nobody that's, uh, that's safe from this, uh, whether it's petty crime, whether it's a break, home break-in or a, a physical or personal assault. Well, indeed, as far as the quote goes, we can't arrest our way out. And again, I'll just reiterate the quote here. We, when we just arrest someone, unfortunately, depending on what the court system judges, what the outcome is, they go to jail. They don't get the treatment, then they're back into the community, and we see this cyclical system that we're involved in. We need people to get help so they can help themselves. That's Inspector Max Waddell from the Organized Crime Unit. And isn't part of going to jail, rehabilitation? Well, you would think, and that's the sort of system we're supposed to have in Canada, but you know what recidivism rates are. They're about 60 to 70%. And we, we, we warehouse criminals for the most part. We do not rehabilitate them. Graham James never would have gotten out of prison if we were committed to rehabilitation. Uh, the litany of, of people that, uh, that never get treatment for what ails them, it, it, it's extensive. It, it's most individuals in prison, and uh, we're not committed to rehabilitating people at all. Yeah, so if we're going to send someone to jail who has this addiction, then we need to, to help these people so that when they get out of jail, they don't just keep doing the same thing and wasting resources for one, putting themselves in danger two, possibly putting other people in danger three, or committing petty crimes or whatever the case is, because a lot of these petty crimes, like the broken windows, are from people who are looking for cash or stuff they can sell to get their hands on meth. To get their next hit, to get their next fix. We've talked about the proliferation of uh, bicycle thefts now, right? Mm-hmm. 
That's the latest currency for drug fiends are bicycles. So, you know, what are you, what are you going to do? You gotta, you're either going to close your eyes and turn your back on the problem and say, well, it's not our problem. It's not our job to rehabilitate meth addicts. Well, we can have that approach to it and just keep arresting people. But when those people get out of jail, they're still going to be addicted. We like sports and we don't care who knows. From shooting hoops to the Super Bowl. We like sports and we don't care who knows. Football, 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 tennis, hockey. The game is starting, everyone. Is here. I got my snacks. Tristan Field Jones, I love it. Woo! I love it. Goes deep, deep into the dark parts of the internet for that, I'm sure. What is that? That is an early Lonely Island track, believe it or not. Oh my god. Yeah. Fabulous. And if you look at the video, you can totally tell this was released over 10 years ago now, and you can totally tell this was shot on whatever camera they had lying around at the time. <laughs> well, we do like sports, right? Yeah. Right? I like the sportsings. We do like the sportsings, mm. and uh, if we're going to talk sports, who else would we bring into the studio but our sports director, Kelly Moore, the ever-popular, the hardest-working man in radio, Kelly Moore, joining myself, Greg Mackling. He's Brett McGarry. Thank you for taking some time with us on this Thursday morning. And the reason Kelly's here is because Jacob Truba's name is likely to be on the tips of tongues of sports fans and those that might even be just kind of on the periphery over the next 24 hours. Kelly, tell us what's happening with Jacob Truba tomorrow if things go wrong, I would say. Well, you know, the one thing I, and that's said from the Jets' perspective and the fans' perspective. Just before we start this, the thing I want to remind everybody of is that Jacob Truba and his agent, whether the decision is popular or not, are working within the framework of the rules that were negotiated by the players and the owners back in 2013. So they are not doing anything that they are not allowed to do. Okay, so with so, that with that said, with that said, what is scheduled for tomorrow right. and, and what could happen? Arbitration, I, a lot yeah. of people don't know what that is. Sure, so I don't know exactly what time the hearing is in Toronto because there were originally four hearings scheduled for tomorrow, but three of those players have already uh, done deals with their teams ahead of the arbitration hearing. So far, Jacob Trouba is the only one that's scheduled for tomorrow in Toronto. Basically, what happens is players, as they proceed along their careers, earn arbitration rights. So uh, the uh, Winnipeg Jets qualified Jacob Truba, and because he qualifies for arbitration, his camp is able to submit what they think he is worth. The Jets submit an offer for what they think he is worth. They go in there, and sometimes not very nice things are said. Kelly Moore, you're old, you're ugly, you're overweight. We're going to only pay you this. Uh, I won't like to hear that, but, you know, they'll be that, that'll be from their perspective. You're so, so hard on yourself, Kelly. Eh, I've heard it before. Uh, no idea. <laughs> <laughs> When you're looking in the mirror and you're talking yourself that yeah. way, that's not good. No, but that's, it, but that's what happens, but that's, right? It gets. I'm just using that as an example. Of it gets nasty that way because right. you know you have one side that you're, are trying to get the the arbitrator. Uh, to uh, rule in their favor, and the other, uh, Vicky Versi. So, you know, that's why players and teams try to avoid this process at all costs. But that, so that's what's happening. Uh, Elliot Friedman of Sportsnet, who uh, I w- would bank uh, on very much being accurate, says that uh, the Jets are offering $4 million and the Truba camp wants $7 million. It will only be a one-year deal. 
Uh, the, the Jets would never go for two years because then that would carry Truba right into unrestricted free agency. But if it does work out that they do go to arbitration and that they do wind up having to negotiate a one-year deal, you can pretty much go to the bank uh, guys. Well, it won't that, be negotiated. It'll be imposed, right? Yeah, well, that's what I mean. Yeah, but if it goes to arbitration and that's what happens, it's a one-year deal, uh, then uh, you can bet the bank that Kevin Sheveldayoff is going to have to trade Jacob Truba because they're not going to want to have that being the constant storyline throughout the season. I got a couple of questions here. What's he making now? Uh, he just came off a bridge contract that he was making $3 million annual average salary. And you mentioned that he or, would uh, be, Annual average value, rather. You mentioned that he would then be an unrestricted free agent. What's the difference between a restricted no, he, and unrestricted? He, okay, he's a restricted free agent. So uh, what that means is even if he received an outside offer, the club would have the right to match. Okay. Okay. An unrestricted free agent. And so just so that it's clear, Jacob Truba is still a restricted free agent for this coming season and the following year. Then he gains unrestricted free agency, which means he is free to do a deal with whichever club he wants to. And then the Jets are hooped if uh, he signs Exactly. They lose him for nothing. And that's why I say uh, if they do wind up having to settle on a one-year deal coming out of the arbitration hearing tomorrow, then, uh, you know. It's not only the one-year deal that causes the issue. It's also what's been said on both sides and typically by the hockey club in order to try to convince the arbiter to keep that salary down. And so now there's animosity between the two parties, and we've already had Jake. Jacob Truba, Truba sit out in yeah. uh, protest in, in what was a trade request in the past. Truba said at the end of the year that he would be yes. happy, would like to sign long-term with the Jets. Do you see that as still as a possibility yes, today? Abs- absolutely. I see that right as a possibility before the doors are about to open for that arbitration hearing because uh, for the most part, these kind of deals don't get done till the 11th hour. So I would be shocked if anything was done today, uh, but I won't be if something happens just before the arbitration hearing tomorrow. And, and again, I, I can't find anywhere where there's a time for when this hearing is supposed to start. If anybody can for, find it, you'll find it. And we only have time for one more question here, Kelly. Who does arbitration favor, the player or the team? Uh, for the most part, I would say teams have probably come up. But again, uh, Brett, because there have been some real uh, thorny issues that have come out of arbitration, so it very it, it doesn't happen very often anymore. The Winnipeg Art Gallery has been hosting a series of rooftop events this summer. Because there's no cooler place in Winnipeg, actually, than the rooftop of the WAG. I what? went to a wedding there once. Isn't it beautiful? Yes. That's a great spot. Last week there was yoga. Tomorrow there will be a great scavenger hunt, and in August... Got to mark this down, Brett. There will be a Moulin Rouge sing-along. Cool. <laughs> to tell us more, join live on 680 CJB by Rachel Berg with the Winnipeg Art Gallery, and she is head of education there. Good morning, Rachel. Hey, good morning. So the scavenger hunt, the great scavenger hunt, this isn't the first time you've done this, is it? No, it isn't. It's back by popular demand. We we do this about every four or five months. People love this event. It's a lot of fun, and it's extra fun when we can do it on the rooftop, of course, in the summer. So what are, you, what are people going to be looking for? Well, there's all kinds of strategy and sleuthing, you know, in the galleries. Um, so we sort of mix. It's a, it's a great social event. We, we have a cash bar, so we're socializing a lot. And then there's three challenges throughout the night that are timed. And so people are playing in teams. 
there's 64 people, uh, eight teams of eight, and uh, it's highly competitive. So these challenges take place in the galleries, and then you take breaks and have, uh, have a nice drink, socialize. So it's a good mix of just uh, a lot of fun. You know, Rachel, uh, there's been so many great events at the art gallery throughout the years to introduce folks to your facility and not necessarily, you know, exclusively for art lovers. Have you found it successful in terms of getting people to understand what goes on inside that beautiful building? Absolutely. Yeah, and this is something we, you know, we always tell people, too, that you don't have to be an art lover. You don't have to be, you know, knowledgeable in art to come to the WAG and have a really great time. We have all kinds of programming going on, a, on an ongoing basis. We have singles events. We have LGBTQ events. We've done mixology parties, yoga. So we really, uh, we really want to be a place where everyone can come. We have an amazing space inside, outside. Our rooftop is incredible. So we really want people to come and, and enjoy with us. Um, there's lots to, to learn, certainly at the WAG, but there's, it's, it's a great social space just to meet people and have a really unique experience in the city. Have you ever had to do any policing in these scavenger hunts with people who maybe get it get a little too close to the oh, to the art? Oh yeah, people are always trying to cheat or whatever. This it's part of the fun, and we have security guards too. And it's 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 a lovely event. I mean, people people respect the art. I haven't had a problem that way. Um, but people, you know, teams are always like I said, very competitive. So they're they're actually you know making some art on their own as well in response, and they have to they're timed. So it's it's quite fun uh, just to see how people how enthusiastic they get about about the whole you know the challenges and the scoreboards and then of course there's prizes you know so it's it's a lot of fun the competitive juices start to flow and and, and people <laughs> like to win i always get a kick out of people who suggest professional teams throw games in order to get better draft picks it's like have you ever played monopoly against your brother or your sister this, this simply oh, does, doesn't happen and i know manitoba <laughs> museum does some of these uh scavenger hunt style things for corporate events as well it's, it, these yeah. are good team building exercises as well almost like an, an escape room right Rachel yeah for sure yeah no for sure it's it's so much fun um, now I, I should say with scavenger hunt that it sells out incredibly quickly and uh, and all spots are sold out for tonight our eight o'clock event um, but it is great for us to know that people are really keen on it. I'll probably be, you know, hosting another one October, November sometime. So if people are interested, it's great to let us know via social media or whatever so we can be, you know, running these programs on an, on an ongoing basis. It's so heartening when we have organizations on the air, and it's happening on an increasing basis where we have people on the air to talk about these events, and then at the end or somewhere throughout the interview, it comes up, oh, by the way, you can't get tickets for this because it's already <laughs> sold out. And, and because I think some people get the impression that the only time you want to talk about these things is when you have tickets to sell, not the case with this event and, and many of the events that we speak to you about. Right. No, that's that's for sure. I mean, I always encourage these kind of fun uh, events, like we've got the Moulin Rouge party coming on August the 10th. I just really recommend, Winnipeggers are classic procrastinators. <laughs> and <laughs> we find say. out that people want to buy tickets at the door, but tickets sell so quickly. So I always say to people, like, um, and it's not a sales gimmick, it's just like, you got to get your tickets because they go quickly, especially with teams of eight, right? People come together and... Um, but, you know, like I said, we have people who, who contact us and say, hey, put me on a waiting list for your next event or that kind of thing, too. So we do that as well. Now, this Moulin Rouge sing-along, this, what is this? It's a, like a screening of the film? 
Yeah, this is quite fun. I don't know if you've been to sing-along parties before, but uh, this really works well with the Impressionist theme. Of course, we've got Summer with Impressionists here at the WAG. And so the Moulin, Moulin Rouge is a, is an awesome, uh, you know, uh, subject. And uh, it just it works perfectly. So sing-along screening is awesome. Everybody comes and you just uh, belt it out, basically, with Nicole Kidman and Ewan McGregor. Um, it's, a fun, it's a fun event where people can come, actually dress up, um, and uh, and can sing, you know. So the the lyrics are at the or not the lyrics, the yeah, no, the lyrics are at the bottom, the text, and uh, and so people can sing with the classics, right? Like diamonds are a girl's best friend. Most of us know these songs, right? The show must go on. Uh, it's such a classic movie. Um, so we just think this is a really great opportunity for people to come and 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 really you know have fun at the WAG. Rachel, I have a suggestion. Okay. I was having my own sing along in my in my vehicle yesterday to ABBA. I was listening to an interview about uh, Mamma Mia Two. I guess is coming to the yes. theaters. So yes. maybe you need to do Mamma Mia One and have a little bit of a ABBA sing song sing along uh-huh. screening. I would just gonna plant that seed. I'm gonna leave it right here. <laughs> okay. And 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 if if it comes to fruition, all, all I'm asking for is one complimentary admission. <laughs> Not even two? Yeah. Just one. Just one. great. <laughs> hey, Rachel, thank you very much for doing this. We appreciate the visit. You're very welcome. Thanks so much. Rachel Berg is Winnipeg's Art Gallery's head of education. And um, just to follow up on what you talked about, where we talk about these events that are sold out, Greg, uh, it's also good just to put it on the radar that these kinds of things happen. Because a lot, I didn't know this was happening until Shanna Lee Vidal, our content producer, booked this. And I... Just my reply to her was a scavenger hunt. That's awesome. Yeah, Shanley's so, great at finding these things, right? That are sort of off the radar, but inevitably, like even the burlesque show—not even, but you know, something as either off the normal radar—and it's like, oh yeah, but you can't get tickets. We come in and talk to you about the show. It's already sold out. It's very heartening to know, like you say, that these things are happening in the city and we gobble them up. Yeah, so now you can, as you, as Rachel mentioned, they, they can put your name on a waiting list if you want to get in on the next scavenger hunt whenever that occurs. I think I actually might want to do the same because I, I love scavenger hunts. My mom used to organize for my birthday a couple of years. She organized scavenger hunts for me and my friends and uh, to run rummage through uh, Transcona. Or what do you call it? A scavenger hunt? What's the rally car? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like a, they had the cannonball. Oh, yeah, well, what is it called? Now they call it geocaching, okay. but it was called something else before we had to hit all the checkpoints and all that sort of stuff, right? I guess this was a scavenger hunt, yeah, because we were actually looking for things. But I'm thinking also of a different one. It's a some kind of where you're like racing around the city and, and just trying to check off certain points that you've hit. Uh, but yeah, scavenger hunts are super fun. So this is a great way to enjoy both a uh, hunt and art. Seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight. Somebody knows what we're trying to spit out there in terms <laughs> of that activity. Do you remember the laser display they used to have out front of the art gallery? It was encased in in fiberglass. Way back in the day. I think so. One of our friends, uh, we were on our way to a volleyball game at River Heights School, and we had to transfer downtown, and one of our friends got a little bit too close, and this the voice of God came over the loudspeaker, get away from the display. It was a security guard inside the WAG who had his, his hawk-like eyes on wow. that display. So whenever I go by that building, I have a real chuckle. That's a good memory from about 30 years ago. Thanks for listening to CJOB Mornings On Demand. If you like what you hear, take a minute to rate the show, leave us a review, 
and tell a friend about the podcast. And for more Macklin and Gary, tune in to 680 CJOB Mornings weekdays from 6 to 10 a.m. The Start On Demand is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.